The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week where the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and bring your hand, and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today could be called, fittingly, the Sunday of many names. It is known as the Octave Day of Easter. It is known as Low Sunday. It is known as Quasimodo Sunday. It is known as Dominica in Albis. It is known as Thomas Sunday. It is known as Pascha Clausum. And of course, more recently described as Divine Mercy Sunday. No matter which of those names one would choose to refer to this blessed day, they all indicate the same reality, namely a new beginning. The octave of Easter octave being the eighth day and the eighth day always a sign of something new a new creation low sunday referenced and of course low sunday meaning that we were coming down the mountain last sunday being the higher sunday the highest of sundays the mountaintop experience of the resurrection and now today a lower celebration of that same reality but a reminder that we are coming down the mountain to begin again our Easter journey. Quasimodo Sunday, taken from uh, the first Latin words spoken in the liturgy from the entrance antiphon or introit for the day, which is from uh, the letter of St. Peter, which describes and it indicates as, as newborn babes long for spiritual milk, a recognition of, of our own uh, beginning in our journey, longing for the Lord. Dominica and Albis, which means the Sunday in white. 
Today would be the day where the, the newly baptized, those who have been received into the church and baptized on Easter Sunday or at the Easter Vigil, today, all throughout the week, they would wear a white garment, a sign of being newly baptized. And today would be the day where they would take off their white garment and they would live as simply a part of the Christian community, as one of the members, not as one of the newbies in a sense, but as a, a full member in Christ, participating as normal in the normal life of the sacred liturgy and a life of the church. Thomas Sunday, given to us, of course, because of the recognition that the gospel that we just read has a great emphasis upon the person of Thomas and upon his doubt and upon his faith. That Thomas Sunday is today. Today is the day, a week later, when our blessed Lord appeared to Thomas and invited him to touch his wounds. A sign of Thomas's movement from doubt to faith, a new beginning, my Lord and my God, he exclaims. Pascha Clausum, a Latin term meaning the end of Easter, not the Easter season, but the end of the Easter day. As we said, the Easter octave, each day in the octave is spoken of as Easter day itself. For, for each of the last eight days, we've spoken of Easter as today, not as last Sunday. It's today. So today ends the Easter, the, ends the Easter feast, and we begin the Easter season, entering anew into the liturgical life of the church. And of course, Divine Mercy Sunday, where our Lord comes to us and he assures us that we are always able to begin again, that we're always able to be able to put an end to sin and to have a newness in God and in his mercy. All of these, you see, indicate one simple reality, something new, a starting over, a beginning again. In the gospel, we heard that our Lord appeared on that first Easter Sunday to be able to wish peace to his disciples, to be able to forgive them, to wish them peace, they whose hearts were certainly in great turmoil over having fallen away, having abandoned Jesus in his, in his time of need, going to the cross, all but John falling away. And so the first thing he does to come back is to wish them peace, a sign of his mercy, a sign of a new beginning, that, that what has happened before is set aside, that they are to begin again in peace, following after him and beginning the life of the church. Thomas doubts them initially. Unless I put my hand in his, in his wounds, he says, I will not believe. But Thomas gives us a wonderful gift in this initial doubt that today becomes faith. Indeed, we ought to be grateful for Thomas's doubt. In the Easter Vigil, the, the, at the exult, at the, the hymn sung to the candle, as it shines in the darkness, we sing, O happy fault that won for us so great a Redeemer. We rejoice in the fall of Adam and Eve, but because in the fall of Adam and Eve, God has sent us a Redeemer to ransom us, to save us, and even to lift us up to a higher place than we would have had before. O happy fault, we say. And today, we could very much say the same about Thomas's doubt. O blessed doubt, O happy doubt of Thomas, that allows us to know the wounds of Jesus in faith. It would have been easy 
For Thomas, upon hearing the other disciples, simply to go, okay, I believe, and to go with it. But that would have caused, certainly that would have been more difficult for us, who certainly in various times of our own life struggle to believe. We wrestle with these mysteries. But Thomas, in saying, unless I see his wounds and touch them, I won't believe. He places a demand upon the Lord. A bold move, nonetheless. And yet the Lord responds in his goodness and in his generosity. And he turns to Thomas and he invites him to come and to touch the wounds. And because of the doubt of Thomas, we are able to enter into that same reality and that same wondering of, of, of can it really be true? And to know that Thomas, who himself was able to touch the wounds of Jesus, can place our faith in that man's doubt, which led to faith. And not just to any faith, but true faith. It wasn't just, Jesus, it's really you. It was, my Lord and my God. He was led to a belief that that Jesus really was the Christ that he was the Son of God, that he was God himself in flesh, my Lord and my God. The challenge led to belief. There are a couple of other saints who live a similar story. St. Claude de la Colombière was a priest of the church in the 17th century. And in the midst of his labors one day, A religious sister whom he knew came to him and told him that the Lord had appeared to her and told her that he was to be her spiritual director. Her name was Sister Margaret Mary. And so, Father Claude indicated, I'll be your director if you'll do one thing for me. And she said, okay, certainly. And he said, the next time the Lord appears to you, I want you to ask him a question. Ask him, what was my last mortal sin? And she said, okay, Father. And soon enough, in our prayer hour once again, our blessed Lord appeared in visible form to Sister Margaret Mary. And so she put the question to the Lord. She said, Lord, you desire Father Claude to be my my director, but he has requested one thing to be able to prove it true that this is indeed you who are calling and not just my own imagination. And so, Lord, he has requested that you tell me the last mortal sin that he committed. The Lord, pausing for a moment, simply said, I don't remember. She returned to Father Claude shortly after to be able to give him this news. She said, Father, I, 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 our Lord appeared to me once again. I asked him the question that you, you do, that you demanded, and his response was, he did not know. And to this, Father Claude said, good, I'll be your director. Because Father Claude knew that the thing that is the defining reality of Jesus is his mercy. That Jesus, once he shows us mercy... He does not remember our sins. He does not continue to hold them against us, even as we often try to hold them against ourselves. In so many ways, God's greatest attribute could be said is his mercy. His willingness to 
to allow us to begin again, not just once, not just twice, a thousand times and more. God is willing to forget what we have done, to set it in the past, to wash us in his blood and to perfect us and cleanse us once again, to make us entirely new as at baptism. This is God's goodness that we celebrate today, that we can begin again every single day, in fact. Every day is an opportunity for us to be able to rise from our sleep and to be able to turn to the Lord and to consecrate this day and to say, Lord, all that I have is yours. Do with it as you will. To our past, we trust ourselves to the Lord's mercy. Everything that we have done, we know that the mercy of God is great enough to show us his forgiveness, to grant us peace, to allow us to begin again, to be able to slough off the old sinful man, as St. Paul would describe it, and to put on Christ once more, to be able to begin as new creations each day, to start fresh. One of the great realities in the rule of St. Benedict, the ancient founder of Western monasticism, part of his rule, he says, I think it's in the prologue, he indicates, he says, always we begin again. Always we begin again, each day, entrusting ourselves to the mercy of Christ and seeking after his will each day. And so as we come on this feast of mercy, this feast of beginning again, we're invited to follow after Thomas and to place our trust in the Lord and to recognize in him, my Lord and my God. And indeed, we can still touch him these days. We may not be able to see him in his wounds as Thomas saw him. We may not be able to touch the place in his, na- in his hands that was the mark of his nails. But nonetheless, he is here. He is right before our very eyes. And he comes to show us mercy. To us too, he comes and breathes upon us with his Holy Spirit to wish us peace. In a time of so much turmoil within our lives and in our world, this is one of the greatest gifts that we need. The gift of his peace that is the manifestation of his mercy. So we place our trust in our Lord today. We ask the intercession of St. Claude, of St. Margaret Mary, of St. Thomas, and of all the saints in heaven, our heavenly intercessors, and of good St. Anne as well, that today we might be able to rejoice in God's goodness, to turn always to his mercy, to seek it in reconciliation as frequently as we are able, but each and every day to entrust ourselves to the loving mercy of God and to rejoice with the words of Thomas, my Lord and my God, and even more, my God and my all. The Lord seeks to give us peace, and he desires to fill us with his grace. So I'd invite you to join with me in praying an act of spiritual communion. It's the one that can be found on the parish website and in the handouts that we've given out previously. And so we pray, O Jesus, thou hast given us the Holy Eucharist, thy body and blood, to be our spiritual nourishment, through which we may have life everlasting. 
would that I were now able to approach the holy table, to be united with thee in the blessed sacrament. I desire with all my heart to receive this living bread which came down from heaven. O Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof. Say but the word, and my soul shall be healed. Let me taste at least the sweetness of a spiritual communion. Come to me, Jesus, my Lord, my Master. Come and refresh my soul. Strengthen me, that in union with thee I may do perfectly the Heavenly Father's will. Let me never be separated from thee by sin. Keep me in thy love and thy grace. I will not be lured away from thee by the deceitful honors and pleasures of the world. I love thee above all things and with my whole heart. Thou art the God of my heart and the God that is my portion forever. Increase my faith, strengthen my hope, kindle my love, that I might die to self and live but for thee.